Welcome to the Liberty Block Podcast. I am Elliot Axelman. I am here alone today without any of our co-hosts. They are all currently busy, but there are a few headlines, mostly in New Hampshire and some national headlines that I'd like to discuss with you. And we will be doing a weekly podcast, hopefully from here on out, involving me, Elliot, uh, Lou Axelman, and or the others, or any combination thereof. So you can look forward to the podcast, and we are on on the official podcast apps. So you can you can find us. Just uh, type in the Liberty Block. You should be able to find us. If you have any questions, please ask our IT people. Don't ask me because I don't know this stuff. Anyway, the biggest issue that's bothering me now is actually in Manchester. So very close to me, of course. It seems that Manchester, New Hampshire, the police department just a few days ago, I think on the 3rd, the union leader reported that the police chief of Manchester is planning, it doesn't say when, but they are planning to implement a new surveillance camera program, starting with uh, seemingly two cameras on Elm Street, from the middle of Elm Street, which is the, the downtown shopping center area of Manchester, the, the most uh, dense populated area of Manchester, really the, the downtown, from City Hall, point, one pointing north on Elm Street and one pointing south. And of course, like all government programs, we can expect this to expand. So maybe in a few years we would have 10 cameras all over Manchester and then a few in every town and city in the state. Anyway, what's interesting about this surveillance program is one of, one of the reasons I came here from New York was to escape the mass surveillance that the New York City government, meaning the NYPD, implemented. They had, I believe I counted five different types of surveillance programs. So if, if you read George Orwell's 1984, you kind of understand where I'm coming from and why this is concerning, of course. In New York City, they had LPRs, license plate readers. So their police cars, a lot of their police cars, the NYPD, state police, local police, Yonkers, at Long Island, all over the area. A lot of the cop cars had two cameras pointing, I guess I'd say 4.30 o'clock, 5 o'clock, and uh, 7 or 8 o'clock. So the two back corners of the car constantly scanning license plates perpetually up to like 1500 a minute and if any of them were a match so they would they would run them against state and federal databases of course and if anyone had a warrant or even a match of some kind whatever they wanted they would get a, a actually a sound i've heard appears on their mdt on their computer in their cop car and tells them hey go pull over that guy so it really is constant surveillance and we've written a few articles about those they also have video surveillance cameras in the streets of, of the bronx manhattan maybe every borough they have plenty of these cameras that really just simply monitor people and then they record you and they live stream to PD, I believe, and they record it. So they're just spying on people for no reason. They also can tap into, I believe, I've written an article on this, I think it was 600 or maybe more of private cameras that private store owners throughout New York City had, the NYPD could tap into them. I'm not sure, to be honest, whether they need a warrant or a subpoena, or if they could just tap into those cameras and watch all day long, I don't know, but they did have access. NYPD boasted about having access to all those cameras in addition to their own cameras. They also had a few other programs. They also have red light cameras that automatically send tickets to those who run a red light, I believe, and speed cameras, same deal. They'll send you a ticket automatically. So they had plenty of surveillance programs, a lot of cameras New York City had. One of the reasons I came to New Hampshire is we have seemingly less surveillance, like government surveillance, than any other state. In New Hampshire, I believe it's illegal according to state law to have, for any municipality, to implement red light cameras or speeding cameras. We also had a ban on LPRs, so license plate readers were legal. But since I moved here a year and a half ago, license plate readers became legal 
and a few, at least one, but I think a few at this point, police departments began to use license plate readers on their cop cars. And our neighbor, Vermont, actually, I believe their program with LPRs is on pause because every state has this program. New Hampshire was the last state, and this is 2016, New Hampshire was the last state to give in and allow for police to implement, to, to have LPRs on their cars. So all 49 states already ran this program. I remember seeing a lot in New York. And Vermont had this program, but apparently it hasn't really helped them catch any real criminals because, you know, the cops say it's only for murderers. We'll only use this to catch murderers and car thieves and felons and, and kidnappers and all that. But it, it's barely helped at all, a negligible amount, really, to catch those. But also it's costing a lot, and it's just not, not a good program. So I think Vermont's program is actually on pause, their LPRs. But New Hampshire, Democrats, Republicans, all legislators and politicians and police think it's a great time to start the surveillance of drivers all over New Hampshire. And we've written, I think, three articles about the LPR program at this point. Anyway, the Manchester police wants to start spying on people. And we're working on the article now. The article will be up later tonight, hopefully. And it just highlights some of the massive issues with this program. Number one is you actually read the Union Leader article. It seemingly says that the Manchester police is justifying this, not because of violent crime, because Manchester is really the only city. It is the most dangerous city in the States, really the only city where there's real violent crime. Take out Manchester, and New Hampshire is like the safest place in the universe. Um, like I think like 99% of the homicides in, in uh, New Hampshire occur in Manchester. So if they if the police would have justified this without by saying that this this surveillance system needs to be in place because of violent crime it would at least make sense maybe but if you actually let me find this i'll try to find the quote it seemingly says the article that the police are implementing the the cameras because there are homeless people and they're begging for money so some store owners don't like that because it's not a good luck so that's just really awkward i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing it's a weird justification for a new surveillance program that's all i know so that's one interesting thing. Another thing I want to point out about this surveillance program that's going to spy on everyone is they, they didn't actually have any meeting about this. And this is has a few layers of, of why this is concerning. There was no meeting in Manchester, usually in New Hampshire, from what I understand, in cities and towns. There will be a public meeting and a hearing and a vote, and you could have public testimony and feedback and maybe even have a town vote at the, at the town hall or the town meeting. Or maybe have some input or pass you know this the city council might pass legislation to allow for it there was none of that a few days ago on the third so six days ago the you know union leader just reported that manchester police will start spying on us and that's that so really really weird as far as transparency usually new hampshire state and cities and towns here are really good about being transparent and and allowing for public feedback and taking public feedback into account sometimes but in this instance, the police are pretty much saying, well, we're going to do this and, you know, deal with it. So that's interesting. And, and then from there, another issue is that just a few months ago, in November, I suppose, when we had the vote, the, the vote for all the state elections, there were actually two questions on the ballot. And question two, let me find question two here. Question two on the ballot was asking the people whether to add an amendment to the New Hampshire Constitution. And if you're familiar with politics, you know that elections elections are usually the winner, usually wins with 49%, 50%, 51%, a massive win is 60%. 81% of voters in New Hampshire voted in favor of this amendment. 
becoming part of the New Hampshire Constitution. So it became part of the Constitution. Now, if you look at the New Hampshire Constitution, part of it will now have this new amended sentence in it. The sentence reads, an individual's right to live free from governmental intrusion in private or personal information is natural, essential, and inherent. So this this amendment is, is again, it's purposely pretty broad, it seems. That's how constitutions are. Laws are specific, constitutions are broad. But it, it seemingly cements into the Constitution that the people have a natural right to privacy from the government. And a few months later, without anyone allowing them to or, or any discussion, the Manchester police just starts surveilling us and spying on us, which is seemingly counter to this new constitutional amendment. That's interesting. Another big issue is Dylan's rule, which is, this is only something I learned about a few months ago, moving to New Hampshire, or a few years ago, but New Hampshire is one of the states, and some states are, are home rule, some are Dylan's rule. Dylan's rule essentially says that the state has general supremacy over every town and city, every municipality in, in a given state. In New Hampshire, we have a very strong state government, for better or for worse, and very, very weak town and city governments. Other than very, very few things that, that are specifically delegated to them by the state, cities and towns can't do anything in New Hampshire. Anytime a city or a town government wants to do something, they need express permission from the New Hampshire legislature, meaning passing a bill or maybe a constitutional amendment, to allow them expressly to do that exact thing. If a city council wants to blink, they cannot do it without express permission to do that exact specific thing from the state government. Now, again, I, I'm pretty close to Concord. I obviously have a lot of friends in the house at this point. I would have heard about it if the government allowed for the Manchester police to put up these cameras. Unless I slept through an entire... I mean, I did sleep for a while last night. I slept pretty well for the first time in decades. But unless I slept through an entire legislative session, I, I don't think I could have missed the state house and state senate and the governor all approving this exact program meaning from my admittedly basic simple understanding of the basics of dylan's rule or dylan's law in new hampshire this would possibly violate that as well but it definitely violates the state constitution definitely violates their city laws i, mean, I would think because they have no no public hearing no public input no law no legislation no nothing no meeting no hearings and it would also violate the U.S. Constitution, of course, the Fourth Amendment. You have the right to the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. That's the Fourth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Of course, these video surveillance programs, they violate this as well. Now I'm going to hear back from one person who's a statist or authoritarian or communist or just misinformed or just wants to argue with me. And they're going to say, well, Alu, you know, there's no reasonable expectation of privacy. And the Supreme Court has ruled that if you're outside in public and you don't necessarily have a reasonable expectation of privacy, then you, you can be recorded by people and or by government. Yeah, well, let's really break down the reasonable expectation of privacy. No, I don't have any court cases specifically delving into the exact parts of what constitutes expectation of privacy to what degree and what sense in the various manners that we discuss but in general when you're outside you would be correct to assume that a person outside does not have a reasonable expectation to not be seen as far as being seen with the naked eye because they know that when they go outside and they walk down elm street other eyes will see them people do have a reasonable expectation to not be 
video recorded, live streamed and recorded. So live stream, police can watch them live and record it so they can watch that video later at night or forever. And also these may have facial recognition. They may have other software, other programs that investigate them. And anytime you're a police, the police department is recording you, it's not just recording, it's investigating you. They're investigating what you're wearing and matching that against, you know, someone robbed the store down the block. They're looking where we are looking at your pants, you're wearing jeans, you're wearing a red hat. And, you know, someone said there might have been a red hat or a brown hat of a person who stole from their store. Now, but just by thinking about this already, you've done something of an investigation, meaning you're being investigated without a warrant, without probable cause. So these programs absolutely, again, if a cop looking at a cop looking at you in public does not violate the Fourth Amendment's uh, reasonable expectation of privacy. As, as far as that ruling by Supreme Court. But I, be, I would believe that cameras and investigations, as we've written about in the LPR articles, they're investigations. They're, it's not just seeing. Seeing is one level, investigating is the next level, searching through actual property is the next level, and then seizing the property is the next level. So there are there, you, there are four levels in this sense of, of what would constitute you know, you know know something revolving the Fourth Amendment. So this isn't even the first level of a cop looking at you with the naked eye, which in public they can. The Supreme Court would surely rule that they have the right to do that, but police using cameras to spy on you and investigate you, and these cameras are probably not low-tech. They probably look at maybe facial recognition, maybe they can see your height, maybe they can see other things about you, they can see your approximate weight, they're investigating you, your clothes, and, and your, your gait, the way you walk, all these things. So so that is something of an investigation in the broad sense. So yeah, that's that's not a uh, that's not a great defense either. Another th One more thing I wanna mention about the Manchester police before we move on is some people will say, well, if you have nothing to fear, you have nothing to hide. Oh, you're not a criminal. You're not murdering anyone. Why do you care if they record you? You're boring. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm just a boring cowboy. That's fine. What do you care if, if they record you? If you're not doing anything wrong, you just have nothing to fear. Again, we just spoke about the addition to the New Hampshire Constitution. We spoke about the Fourth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We spoke about general privacy and general freedom from the government. People have a natural right. Forget the constitutions. People have a natural right to live their lives unmolested by government. Government does not have a right to be in our house. If you really believe that if you have nothing to fear, then you have nothing to hide. And we're going to link to our other article, pretty much titled, You Have Nothing to Fear. If you have nothing to fear, nothing to hide, would you accept a police officer standing in your house all day? If you say you commit no crimes, and I'll try to reference the article that proved that the average American commits three felonies every day, but whatever. There are billions of laws, so everyone's a criminal now. But if you really are confident that you never commit any crimes and you have no contraband in your house, you will allow for a police officer or a camera to be in your house 24-7. If you would not allow for it, it would make you uncomfortable, there you go. I've won the debate. Another thing, we're going to try to publish an article of someone else who wrote about this, so I'll give him credit. We're going to try to republish his article. He wrote about pretty much turning this back on police. If they have nothing to hide, they should have nothing to fear by having cameras facing in in their cop cars, body cameras, which, by the way, the biggest opponents of body cameras in every state seems to be the police departments, the PBAs, the unions, the police chief unions. So they, they don't want to actually be held accountable. They don't want video monitoring or audio monitoring of themselves. And how many stories have we posted on our Facebook or on our website or, or referenced in our articles of cops turning off their body cams? If you're not doing anything wrong, you should have nothing to hide, right? Nothing to hide, nothing to fear. Clearly, these cops turn off their cameras so they can they can violate some laws or be corrupt. So that's another interesting interesting uh, double standard, of course, we wanted to mention of, of police very often say, if I have nothing to fear, you shouldn't mind. Hey, bro, can I search your car? Yeah, let me search your car. And they try to manipulate you into allowing a search, you know, consenting to a search, which, of course, you should never do. But they'll probably search anyway if they want. But they themselves would not want their cars or their homes searched, and, and they wouldn't let you uh, investigate them at all. 
All right. Those are some of my initial thoughts from the little bit I know about this Manchester police thing. Now, what really pissed me off a few days ago, and, and this we posted just yesterday, but this happened a few days ago. WMUR reported that an off-duty Londonary police officer, again, neighboring town, a police officer reportedly was driving drunk on 101 and murdered a 21-year-old woman because he crossed the barrier into her lane and hit her head on and killed her. So, again, if you ask me, not being a lawyer, but assuming that these facts are correct according to investigators or the initial the initial uh, charge of him from the prosecutors is that this is this is murder. It's DWI, but it's also murder. Um, you can call it manslaughter, but uh, I can make the case that it's murder. Either way, it should be manslaughter or murder, or whoever the, the prosecutors in this case um, are going to go about considering the, the various levels of charging of killing. It could be They might call it first or second or third to be murder, might call it first and second, might call it manslaughter versus murder. Either way, he killed someone, right? He should be charged, right? Nope. He was released immediately on personal recognizance, meaning no bail necessary. They let him go and said, oh, we trust you. You're a great cop. You know, you're a great driver, responsible. We trust you to come back to trial, so we're going to let you go. And they're not even charging him with anything to do with murder or manslaughter. The only one charge, according to this article, is aggravated driving under the influence. I've never heard of that charge. I don't know what it means. I don't know if it would be a felony if you were convicted. I'm not even sure. But it sounds like something that would be maybe a slap on the wrist, you know, probation for a few days or paid suspension for a few days from the police department. But, yeah, I don't think he'll go to jail. But, again, just I want you to ask yourselves, if you drove drunk, and, and killed someone because you were driving drunk. You drove drunk on a highway. Who knows how fast he was going? Maybe 100. Who knows? Um, and he crossed the center line and, and hit someone head on and killed her. Killed some innocent 21-year-old girl. Could have been my neighbor. Who knows? Do um, you think you'd go to jail? you think you'd get off personal recognizance, no bail? you think you wouldn't be charged with murder or manslaughter? Nothing. Aggravated driving, DWI, nothing. He killed someone. And again, I have 600, maybe 700 bookmarks at this point. A lot of bookmarks of, of cops who were, who were drunk and killed people or murdered people, shot them in the back, or you know, consistently raped people. A lot of really bad stuff. And around 99.9% .9 of them never even got any punishment at all. So I would, I would bet that he will not be punished at all. And we'll be back on the force and working within a few weeks. So that's, that's another interesting story I wanted to discuss. On to national news. Some interesting things before I wrap up here. I'm doing the podcast alone today because everyone else ditched me. We got Cory Booker. I tried to listen to this video, and to be honest, I cannot stand listening to Cory Booker. I turned off the video. I closed the tab in about 10 seconds because he is so annoying. His voice is just so horrible. It's like Cortez. It makes my brain shriek. Anyway, he apparently, in a, in a massive virtue signal to the left, because he's running for president now, as we all know he would for years, Spartacus introduced a bill to begin uh, studying or to create a commission to study whether we should implement reparations in the U.S., meaning give reparations to black people because the theory is all black people are slaves or imminently were slaves, and all white people are slave owners and evil. And uh, so I think it's really funny. I actually want the bill to pass, and I'll explain why in a minute. But a lot of people are, are mentioning some great points, like what about after the 1860s when, when slavery was, was generally abolished, at least in the South, after the Civil War, what about families white families who came here after 1860s, which is, I would think, the overwhelming, overwhelming majority of whites and people in America, because, you know, like my family came a long time ago, but still not that far back. I don't think it was 1860s. We came a few generations ago, and, and pretty much everyone I know is immigrants over the last one or two generations, so you'd have to be here for, uh, five, six, ten, eight generations. Yeah, maybe like eight, nine, ten generations to be here um, 
in the 1860s or before then and owned slaves. And even back then, the documents seem to say that like 2% of whites or 1% owned slaves, even in the South. So you'd have to be among the 1% from the South who owned a slave and your family had to have been here forever in order to actually be a slave owner. Is it fair to lump all the whites together and make them pay? And, and which blacks get money? Is every black a descendant of a slave owner? Very, very few are, I believe. So of course this bill would be absolutely retarded, unworkable, ridiculous, unreasonable. I don't think this is going anywhere, to be honest. But I want the bill to pass. I want reparations to pass. I, I want, and I've said this a few times now, I want this bill to pass, and I want within a few years the federal government to collect additional taxes from white people, those who identify as white, whatever, of maybe another 40% of their income. So currently the average person has pays, I don't know, 30 to 40% in federal income taxes, or no, 20 to 30% of federal income tax if they work. 30, 40% maybe. Let's take another 40% or another 30% towards reparations and pay everyone who identifies as black. Because again, it would take a big catalyst to actually make some change in America. America needs to needs to peacefully separate from each other. We have 50 states. Most states are totally communist. Most people in most states are totally communist authoritarians. Some conservatives are in denial. Some conservatives really want freedom. But many conservatives really do want very high taxes for some government programs. They just don't like some of the welfare programs. But all the other hundreds of unconstitutional federal programs and state programs and local programs and tyranny and surveillance like we just discussed, conservatives want. I'm sure conservatives who love police love this program of surveillance because they love police. And they don't really like privacy or freedom. America needs to separate. The problem is if you remember ninth or 10th grade chemistry, one of the few things I remember is the term catalyst in order for a reaction to happen causing significant change there has to be a catalyst something has to come along and make something happen right and currently the way we're, we're going in america is one step forward one step back one step towards communism one step towards libertarian a few steps towards communism a few steps towards liberty a few steps towards communism maybe one step towards liberty a few more steps towards communism and it's so slow that no one really realizes this and no one's going to stand up and do anything if this bill passes we're going to start seeing like 50% of the white people in america which is millions stand up and say hey maybe we want to separate and be our own state and again, this isn't really about race necessarily. I think people who want freedom, libertarian people, the real conservatives, should separate into one or a few states, and the others who are moderate communists and full communists. So those are the three groups in America. It's pro-liberty people who want individual freedom and no government in their lives, and the moderate communists and the full communists who want the government to have total control, which is currently the, the loudest faction of the, of the left. It's the radical left right now, the Democrat Party. So America has to separate. Another bill that might help us separate is U.S. House bill. It's H.R. 686. It's a bill in the U.S. House right now with 31 co-sponsors. So this is not just some bill that one crazy person like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, my friend from the Bronx, sponsored. It's nothing crazy like that. This is a bill sponsored by 31 people. I think they're all Democrats, but I'm sure some Republicans support it too. And remember, Democrats control the House, so even with only their own votes, only their caucus alone can pass a bill. H.R. 686 would seemingly ban online sales of ammunition. So a lot of people currently order online. I was just talking to the rest of the Liberty, Liberty Block team about ordering ammunition online. Uh, maybe I will order because this bill is pissing me off just talking about it. Maybe I'll order a few thousand more rounds tonight. Anyway, it would make all that illegal. <laughs> no, more, no more online sales of ammunition. So obviously it violates property rights. It violates the, you know economics, violates the free market, violates the right to self-defense, violates the Second Amendment, whatever. That's fine. It also would make make it mandatory for store owners, seemingly, to report any any uh, bulk sale of ammunition. I'm not even sure what they consider bulk, but maybe a few hundred rounds or a few thousand rounds 
it would make them mandatorily report. It would force them to report to the to the government, the federal government, when someone buys a lot of ammunition, which is of course ridiculous because not everyone who buys a lot of ammunition is crazy. In fact, most who buy a lot of ammunition are just, you know economic, economical, whatever. They're smart. It's, it's cheaper. Buy by a thousand rounds. It's a lot cheaper, and you have to go to the store less. You buy a thousand rounds. It lasts you for a few days or weeks or months. And that way you don't have to drive twice, drive your, your horrible, um, unenvironmental car that produces global warming and all that once to the store every month instead of five times a month, right? By a thousand rounds at a time, they should support this. New Hampshire legislators actually had a bill. What was it? HB 514? Let me find it for you. This was a bill to make a mandatory nine-day waiting period for ammunition and for firearm sales. So you buy it. You purchase it, you know, you pass background check for firearms, or you buy ammunition and pay for it. You got to go back nine days later to pick it up. Just a waiting period, a cool off period. I'm trying to find the bill here for you. That bill was amended. I think they took out the ammunition part, but still, they want you to drive to the store more times than necessary because they want you to waste gas. No, maybe that was HB 109. I don't know. I can't remember the bill name now, but. Yeah, it was House Bill 514. It did pass the House, but I believe it was amended to take out the ammunition. But yeah, of course, Democrats are, of course, hypocrites. We already knew that. All right, those are pretty much the issues, the state issues and national issues I wanted to address. Hopefully, we will be back next week. You'll be hearing this on Tuesday night or Wednesday, or whenever you listen to this podcast. Hopefully, we'll have at least one podcast every week. Hopefully, it won't just be me next time. It'll be at least a few other members of the group. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. This is Elliot Axelman saying goodnight from the Liberty Block, and we'll catch you next week.